We live in a world, we're talking about patience today. In fact, we've been resetting things all for about a month. Today we're going to reset, ooh, let me turn it on. Uh, we're going to reset patience because we really kind of need patience. We live in a, a society that invented lots of things to make us go faster. Uh, fast food restaurants were invented in America. Uh, pizza delivery in 20 minutes or less. Microwave ovens, fast food, express lanes. Uh, our pet peeves are around not going quickly enough. We go to an office and we have to wait. We get annoyed or um, heaven forbid that our order takes a long time at the fast food restaurant because then it's not very fast. When I think about being impatient, mostly I think about driving and kids and being a parent um, a couple of stories I wanted to remind you of. You probably heard the one about the guy who was at the stoplight and he couldn't, it was, you know, the light turned green and his car stalled and he couldn't get it started. And everybody behind him was blowing the horn and kind of yelling and mad. And so he tried and tried and tried and eventually the light cycled back to red. And he got out of his car and went to the guy behind him and knocked on the window and said, I can't get my car started, but if you'd like to go try, I'll stay back here and blow the horn for you. So, I mean, we. We understand the notion around being impatient, and as a as a dad, I mean, I don't know about you guys who are parents, but as a parent, sometimes in my past, I have been less than patient. I'm better now. I think older the older you get, maybe you get better at it. But when my girls were little, and at one time we had three really little ones at home. This was before Elise. So when my three older ones, who are older now, were little, uh, I served. My first church was in Bergen, Kentucky. And um, we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church, and it had been a long day, and I think we had done something in between. So by the time church was over, I was just worn down to a nub. And um, the girls were kind of rowdy and loud and just not being very obedient, and so I, had kinda, I just kind of lost my cool, and I said, Girls, you're going to put on your PJs, you're going to brush your teeth, we're going to say a prayer, you're going to go to bed. We're not reading a story tonight, you know, we're not... We're not laughing, or we're not going to do anything fun. Uh, PJs, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, and pray, and we're done. And I don't want to hear anything out of you. And one of them, I can't remember which one it was, kind of grabbed my hand and pulled me down and put her little arms around my neck. And she said, Daddy, in Sunday school today, we learned about little boys and girls who don't have mommies and daddies. I'm like, I mean, she's killing me. It's like breaking my heart. And then she said, maybe you could go be one of their daddies. <laughs> but it didn't go quite the way I thought it was going to. Um, if I were to ask the question, how many of us need more patience? The inference is we have some patience to begin with. How many of us need more patience? I think most of us would say yes. And I, I looked up some stats on this this week. The AP did a survey of 1,003 American adults concerning how long they're willing to wait for things. Um, on hold on a phone, the average for people before they lose their patience is nine minutes. Can you believe that? It didn't take me nine minutes. I can tell you that. I'm, I'm bringing that curve way down. Um, uh, waiting in a line at an office, uh, the average is 17 minutes before you lose your patience. <laughs> uh, the breakdown for women is 18, men 15, which is kind of funny. Um, that to me seems like really a long time. I lose my mind if I go to uh, McDonald's and order a quarter pounder without cheese and it takes 45 seconds. I mean, it's easy for us to really, really get impatient. I, I read another statistic, really interesting to me. People with lower incomes, less education, and live, who live in the suburbs, who live out of the city, 
are much more patient than those with higher incomes, uh, with higher education, and who live in the city. And I think it's because, man, you live out, you live out in the country, things move a little slower. You move to the city, things get a little faster. And I don't know about you, but I seem to lose my patience most when I'm in a hurry and I have to be someplace. And so the other day I, I have an annual checkup and um, it was checkup time and my doctor's office is down on Brushy Creek Road. So it's this way. And my daughter goes to school up in Cherrydale. And so I made, you know, I make the appointment. It's not like anybody makes the appointment for me, but I made the appointment knowing that it would have to, everything would have to go just right for me to drop her off and make it to my appointment on time. I, I understand this, but I wanted to get it done in the morning. I wanted to get done early. It's kind of my idea around this. I have other things to do. I don't want to sit in the doctor's office all day. So I dropped Elise off and I got on the road and I got behind somebody going 15 and a 45 on a double yellow line and I'm not above that but I didn't uh, I didn't pass and I'm I'm about to lose my mind I really am and I walked in I was probably 10 minutes late to the doctor's office and they got me right in which was kind of cool and she took my blood pressure and she said you're about to have a stroke and it's like yeah I know I know it's because I got behind little granny Oakley uh, coming over here and I couldn't go most of us have a tendency to be impatient. Now, the problem is God isn't like that. And God wants us to be like Him. And so there's a verse that says, You, O Lord, are a compassionate and merciful God. And then it says, You are patient, always faithful, ready to forgive. The very fabric of who God is in His DNA is patience. And we're going to look at some stories around that today because God is wildly, annoyingly patient. And He wants us to be patient too. When, when God, God must want us to be patient because He gives us lots of opportunities to learn it. And if, if, if this is who He is, if He is patient and He wants us to have His kind of character, then it makes sense that we need to learn patience as well. So, I found this really good definition that I think sort of fits the biblical narrative or the biblical definition of patience. Patience is a calm endurance based on the certainty that God is in control. And really, honestly, that's kind of what it's all about. If I know God is in control, then I'm going to be more patient. If I believe it, if I know it, if I, you know, can I, do I really believe it? Because the tendency for us is to run ahead of God or to just give up. So, um, God, we know what we're supposed to do, and it's not happening right away because we like it to happen right away, and so we give up or we run ahead of God and we do it our own way rather than His way. And, and there's a reason, there's reasons behind this. A couple of reasons why uh, it, it, patience is rare is it's contrary to human nature. Just think about babies when they're born. When babies are born and you bring them home from the hospital and you, they're in their little cribs at night and you're in your bed and they wake up at 3 o'clock and they're hungry, they demand attention right away. I have never seen a baby wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say to themselves, you know, mom and daddy are tired. They're just so tired. They've been taking care of me all day and, and so I'm just going to wait. Uh, have you ever had that experience? Because I haven't had that experience. They demand attention Immediately. So it's contrary to human nature. We're born impatient. We want our diaper changed immediately. We want to be fed immediately. That's just how it works. It's also contrary to our culture. 
I've had the great fortune of going to other countries where the pace is much slower. I mean, when's the last time you took a siesta, uh, other than during a sermon? Uh, really, we, we just don't do that very much. We have this tendency to go and go and go. And so it's not only against our natures, but it's against our culture. So again, patience is a calm... <laughs> don't you wish you had this? A calm, endurance-based on the certainty that God is in control. So let's look at a couple verses in the book of Colossians. Let, let me show you this truth first, then we'll look at it. The truth is, the key to having patience is to hold on to God and to slow down. Jesus said, stand firm and you'll win life. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Let's look at the first verse first. Since God chose you to be holy people He loves, you must, you might want to circle that or highlight it, you must Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He doesn't really give us a lot of room here to not do this. You must do it. We're called to do it. And then when it says you're to clothe yourselves, you must clothe yourselves. That means you can do it. You must do it, and you can do it. And, and so... If you would, just do me a favor. Close your eyes just for a second. And let me read to you again what it says here. You must clothe yourselves, listen to these words, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So let me ask you, look at me. If you were to possess tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience... Would your life be better or worse? If you had more of these things in your life, would you have more joy or less joy? Would you have more stress or less stress? If you had these things in your life, would you be happier or sadder? God calls us to this life of tender-hearted mercy and tenderness and kindness and patience because it is best for us. It, it's a great way to live life when... My daughter and I traveled to Africa, to Tanzania. We watched a lifestyle there that is so foreign to us. And the pace was so annoyingly slow. And really, by the end of the week, it's like, man, I like this. There's a sense of peace that kind of washes over you. You're not always in a hurry to get somewhere, to be someplace, to do something else. And then he talks about how to do it. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Uh, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We have an expression in our language, flying off the handle. It really has to do with an axe. When you, I, I've wielded an axe a few times, chopped wood. I kind of like that. You see some production when you do that. An axe on a handle, an axe head on a handle is incredibly productive and can be a, a great tool. But when the axe head flies off the handle, it's dangerous. And so it is when we have our patience when, it, when we fly off the handle, when we can't control it, when our emotions get the best of us and they run loose. That's when it's dangerous. And there's a certain, a certain times that you know, Jesus got angry. I mean, he certainly got angry when he drove the, uh, the the money changers out of the temple and the people who were selling goods and that sort of thing. Jesus got angry with the Pharisees sometimes. Uh, it's not as if you can't ever have anger. However, 
Jesus was incredibly patient with people. He, he was just marvelous in that regard. And, and the, the Bible teaches us whoever is patient has great understanding. They know that God's in control and so I can be patient. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Impatience is an indicator of godlessness, of not having the Lord in control of your life. Peter put it this way. He said, you must not forget this one thing, friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And really, you can sum it up in this one tiny statement. God is never in a hurry. I went too far. God is never in a hurry. He is never in a hurry. We get in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. And he gives us example after example in Scripture of not being in a hurry. Let me, let me tell you a couple. Abraham. God needs a people. He picks Abraham. Hey, Abraham, he makes a promise to Abraham. Abraham, you are going to be my chosen people. You're going to have children, and those children are going to multiply, and you're going to be a great nation. Now think about this. He tells this to a guy who's 75 years old. And unless you're Larry King, most people don't have kids when they're 75 years old. And so he's an old man by now. His wife is not young. He, God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And it didn't happen immediately. Now, if I were God, the one thing I would do is make that happen pretty fast. Because the dude is 75. He had to wait 25 more years before he had this child that God promised. God is never in a hurry. If there was ever an opportunity, really a reason to be in a hurry, it would have been when the dude is 75 and you promised him to have kids. Not God. He's not constrained by time. It doesn't seem to bother him at all that it took 25 years. Look, by the time this child was born, they were, buying, uh, <laughs> they were both buying diapers at the same time. I mean, it's kind of it's how it worked. They were getting the, the senior discount. They were in AARP and PTA at the same time. <laughs> Taking naps together in the afternoon. I mean, that's how old Abraham was before he had these kids. God is never in a hurry. He, his, he keeps his promise, he just isn't fast about it. Then God promised Abraham, hey, you're going to be in the promised land. Every place you touch, God said to Abraham, every place you, you, your foot sets, it will be yours. I did some kind of thinking about this. I don't know that Abraham ever personally owned more than the burial plot for his wife. Now God promised him that his people were going to own this land, this promised land. It didn't happen. For a long, long time. For over 400 years. And, and Israel was promised to be a great nation. Well, that didn't happen for a long time either. I, I've just been reading, I'm reading through my Bible for the year. And I just, I'm in Exodus where God delivers the people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt. And it's a cool story. And, but look, they, they weren't a great nation. <laughs> they, they were slaves for 400 years plus, 400 plus. And then they were delivered, miraculously, it's an amazing story, and they're delivered, and you'd think, okay, let's get right to the promised land. No, 40 years of wandering. 40 years is a long time, y'all. I mean, their lifespans weren't that long. This is a generation that passes in the wilderness. God is never in a hurry. It took 900 years before Israel ever really became a great nation. God keeps his promises, he just doesn't always keep them quickly. There's David. 
story of David. He, uh, his, he's anointed as king. He comes out of the fields. He's a shepherd. Uh, uh, he's called in. He's anointed as the next king. The problem is the other king is still around. His name was Saul. And so Saul just didn't just give up. David just didn't become king. It took a while. In fact, during the process, you've got Saul chasing David because he hears that David has been anointed king. And, and you'd have to think that David would say, well, this should happen a little faster, but it didn't happen fast. In fact, David writes this about, and, and you know, he, he's got good reason. By the way, God always keeps his promises. He just doesn't always keep them quickly. David says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Think about Jesus. Jesus had the greatest ministry of all time. God becomes man. He's born of a baby. And he's got some stuff to do because he's only going to live 33 years. If I were in charge, I would have had Jesus doing miracles at two. He'd have been healing people. People have been following him because that would give me a 31-year window. You know, do you all know when Jesus started ministry? 30. 30. It, that blows my mind. Why didn't God start him earlier? Well, because his time frame is different than ours. He works on a whole different way. He, he does things much differently than we do. He is annoyingly patient. He's never in a hurry. So, when you feel like God has called you to do something or that, that there's something that, you need to, that needs to be done and it's not happening at your pace, remember this. God works at His own pace. He's never in a hurry. Let me go back one. God keeps His promises, but not always quickly. He'll do what He said He's going to do. He just doesn't always do it as quickly as we think He ought to. Look at this from the Psalms. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word, I put my hope. I believe what God says. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. More than a watchman waits for the morning. Kind of repeats himself. There's a reason. Because when you repeat yourself, what are you saying is this is really important. You know what a watchman did, right? They, these cities would have walls and the watchman would walk on the top of the walls. And they would try to make sure that nobody was going to attack them at night. Now, there had... Kind of one responsibility, guard the city. They had to be obedient. They couldn't leave their post. They, they had to do what they were called to do. Walk the wall and look for danger. That was their job. You want to know when their job was over? <laughs> when the sun came up. Now, they knew they had a responsibility and God had a responsibility. They couldn't make the sun come up any faster. They just walked the wall. They looked for danger. They were obedient. And they were patient. And this is how God works. He is incredibly patient. We have to understand, um, we've got to know the difference between our job and God's job. This is what the watchmen, they knew the difference. God's job was to bring the sun up. Their job was to, to be patient, to watch, to look out for danger. God has a job. I have a job. Practically speaking, by the way, this says... Um, the, the waiting has to do with believing in God's Word. I believe that what God said is true, and therefore I'm going to believe that what God said He'll do. I believe His Word is true. He's going to do what He's going to do. I'm not going to just quit, and I'm not going to run ahead. I'm going to stay where He wants me to stay as long as He wants me to stay there. Israel was horrible at this, by the way. They were really, really bad. One time, God had promised them that He was going to protect them and deliver them, 
And Israel was nervous, and there was, this, there was this country called the Assyrians, and they were threatening an attack. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, we don't understand this because we really aren't, we, we don't know what the threat of an invading country would be. I've never lived in a place where that was something. And so you've got Israel, and they're scared out of their minds, and God has promised them that he would protect them, but they hear the rumblings that the Assyrians are coming, and rather than wait on God to do his thing, to deliver them the way he wanted to, they sent messengers to Egypt and said, hey, we want you to protect us, and it really, really, really didn't make God happy. And so he, he says this, woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. I mean, look at, look at this, this is a dad scolding his son. Uh, you carry out plans that aren't mine. Um, uh, you form an alliance, but kind of not by my leading. Uh, you heap sin upon sin. You go down to Egypt without consulting me. You didn't even talk to me. I promised you I would take care of this. And you simply chose not to wait. When we don't wait, we get ourselves in trouble. Just like Israel, when we don't wait, we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, I, I read something about red lights this week. Um, there are... Um, the statistics are 800, a little over 800 people a year die because somebody runs a red light. Now, it could be the person running the red light or it could be people coming through a green light. 800 or more people in America die because people are running red lights. Uh, the damage to vehicles is $400 million a year running red lights. We do it, I mean, you understand the rationale. Uh, there's risk-reward, most everything, risk-reward. The risk is I'm going to run the red light and um, accident could happen. Uh, I might kill somebody, but uh, the reward is going to be so great that I'm willing to take the risk. You want to know how many seconds on average you gain by running a red light? This is really interesting to me. 50 seconds. People are endangering their own lives and other people's lives for 50 seconds advantage. It's dumb. When we run ahead of God, it just doesn't make any sense. And here's what's interesting. God really wants to bless us if we'll just wait. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, rise up and show your compassion. For the Lord is the Lord, a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. He really longs to bless us if we'll wait. He promises that He will. In Proverbs it says, whoever is patient has great understanding. We saw this verse earlier. But he who is quick-tempered displays folly. And again, I believe he wants us to be patient because he gives us lots of opportunities to practice. So, what do you do? How do you do it? I'm going to give you, we're going to end with four things you can do that will help us become more patient. The first one is, see people the way Jesus sees people. In Philippians, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. So, if you're behind a slow driver, um, you can. here's what I've started to do. My mother is 86 years old. She's driving around in Danville, Kentucky, somewhere, probably today. To go, she went to church, I'm sure. Uh, she'll be listening to this sermon 
sometime this week. Now, mother is a really good driver for 86 years old, but when you get 86, you're just, it's, you're, you can't uh, respond as quickly. It, you're, you know, it just is what it is. Now, if somebody was behind my mama, if I see you behind my mama, you better behave, right? I, I'd get very aggravated with you. If you got behind one of my daughters, you get behind my people, just, if you go to Danville, Kentucky, you better be nice. That's all I'm saying. Because those are my people. It, it's, it changes when it's our people. I started to think, hey, you know, that, that, those people in front of me, they're somebody's people today. God is so funny. Um, I, I drove to work. I, I come up Reed School Road, and I get to Wade Hampton. So it's right up there, Wade Hampton, Reed School Road. On Sundays, nobody's out when I get here. You know, nobody's out. There, nobody's driving much. There was a guy in front of me waiting for the lights. He pulled too far up, uh, and he wasn't on the sensor, so I had to do it. Anyway, and I knew I was going to preach about patience today. This is really annoying to me, you know, honestly. I knew it was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. So there he is in his Jeep, and the light turns green, and he no go. I gave him the, the friendly boop, not the, go on you moron, I gave him the boop, hey, hey man, it's all good, it's all good, just wake up, and he, he waved with all fingers, uh, it was great, it was super awesome, awesome wave, because he, he wasn't paying attention, and I did it in such a way, I, I could leave no doubt that I, I wasn't mad, it's just, hey man, you're not watching, hey, let's watch, Okay? This is how we can behave. You start to see people the way God sees them. Hey, that's, that person's important to the Lord. Look, we, we all get aggravated. I mean, I get that. I heard a story this week about a four-year-old little boy, and he was on a trip with his mother. Everybody knows where this story is going because all the way, the whole trip, he's saying, Mama, are we there yet? Mama, are we there yet? Mama, are we there yet? And after a while, she just had all she could have, and she said, Son... It's going to be 90 more minutes. I'll tell you when we get there. Don't ask me if we're there yet. So a little while later, he said, Mama, will I still be four when we get there? Uh, you know, we, we have to deal with this sort of stuff all the time. I get it. I get it. But number one, we start to see people the way people, uh, the way God sees people. The second thing is this. We begin to hang out with patient folks. Look at what it says here. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. This is a negative example, but I'll give you the positive example. It, this says, don't do this, don't hang out with hot-tempered people because you'll get hot-tempered. Well, then it would make sense that if we hang out with patient people, we'll become more patient. I, I've got... <laughs> I've got a, a great wife, and she's incredibly patient, and she helps me so much with understanding patience and how stuff works, and she doesn't seem to get riled up about things. By the way, she's not here this weekend. Uh, she and Elise, I, I've got all these kids. You all know I have four daughters. Uh, one of them is getting married in, the, in May, and so uh, they went dress shopping. <laughs> and I thank God I didn't have to go. I just really honestly, thank you, Lord, that's someplace else. And... Um, 
So Miriam hadn't been here, and, and I've had to fend for myself, which really, it, it's really not fun. And uh, I had to cook for myself, so I went to uh, uh, KFC. And uh, kind of, here's what, a little trick I've noticed um, as a bachelor. Um, if you get the piece of chicken right out of the bucket and eat over the sink, you don't have to use any dishes. So I, I have figured that out. But Miriam is great to be patient with us. She's just great, and I'm ha- happy to have that example in my life. I heard about a guy who was writing an article about the Amish for the Reader's Digest, and he went and kind of studied the people a little bit, and he went to the school, and he noticed that the children during playtime, during recess, none of them yelled, none of them were screaming. And so he asked the principal, why, aren't, why don't these kids ever yell or scream? And the principal said, well, have you ever heard an Amish adult yell or scream? We are creatures of our environment to some degree. And so we hang out with people who will help us learn patience. We also learn to release your anger appropriately. There there are different ways to deal with anger. Some people suppress it. That's really not good to stuff it down. In fact, I read somebody that said this week, uh, the number one cause of depression is suppression. So when you suppress it, it's just really not, not healthy. It's not good for you. Some people express it they just sort of uh, fly off the handle there was a there was a kind of a theory a while back called the primal scream and there was a song you know shout shout let it all out that was about the primal scream but the, the bible talks about that kind of craziness a fool gives full vent to his anger <laughs> in case you're not picking up on that they don't want you to god doesn't want you to so we can suppress it or express it but the really the the best thing to do is confess it Hey, God, I'm, I'm impatient here. I'm impatient with this person. I'm going to go to this person and, and say, Hey, I'm re- I've really lost my patience with you. Here's why. Here's why. And the fourth thing is this. Remember that tough times teach patience. Because we know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You, you know, there's some things you can't rush. God has a plan, and some things you just can't rush. Um. I watch a show called Chopped on the Food Channel. Anybody watch that? Chopped? Three people? Okay, now I really got to explain it to you. Um, There are four chefs. They're not cooks, they're chefs. And these four chefs are competing against one another, and there are three judges who judge the food that they're going to make. They have a basket of food. Nobody knows what it is until they open up the basket. So round one, they have to make an appetizer out of the contents of this basket. So they open the basket and they get their contents out and they make some kind of an of a, um, appetizer. And the four are judged and one of them is eliminated. Now you get three. And the three have three baskets and they have to make an entree. And so they open up their baskets and they make an entree. Uh, this is all my cooking skill comes from watching Chopped, by the way. So uh, these three are competing and they make an entree. And the judges judge and somebody's eliminated and now you have two people. And guess what they're going to make next? Dessert, that's right, they're going to make dessert. So they open up their basket and they pull the ingredients out for their desserts. And they make a dessert. Here's what I've noticed about chopped dessert round. They hardly ever make a cake. Because it takes time to make a cake. And they only have 20 minutes. And anytime somebody attempts to make a cake, you want to know what the judges all say? The judges are at their little table. You know what they say? Uh, He's not going to have time to make a cake. And you know what? These guys think they can make a cake. You know what you can't do? You can't make a cake that quick. You can't rush, evidently, a cake. 
Now, I don't speak from experience other than watching Chopped. Here's what I've noticed about the people who try to make cakes in 20 minutes. They come out gooey. I'm not a gooey cake kind of guy. Personally, I don't think anybody likes that very much. So they end up making it something else. A pudding. You know, something, something, they kind of morph it into something else. Some stuff can't be rushed. It's really important to know this about life. Our character. What God's going to do with us in the future. You, you don't know that the experiences... I suspect every experience we go through in the process will help us to get to this place, to do whatever God wants us to do. There, we have to go through some stuff. we got to bake a little bit to get where God wants us to be. Don't rush the bake. You can't rush the bake because you're not going to be what you really ought to be in the end. We know that the testing of your patience develops Patience. We, we're put in patient, patient opportunities. We're given patience opportunities so we can become more patient. We, we get nothing out of it if we bail or if we hurry. Sometimes we just have to say, God, I don't get this, but I'm going to trust you that you know what you're doing. So we're going to close today doing something that I've not done in a long time. How many of you remember responsive readings in your church when you were younger? That's where uh, the preacher will say something and the people will say something. We're going to responsive read today. Tell all your friends over at the First Baptist. Uh, we did a responsive reading today. It would be great. They'll think, you're, they'll think we're real traditional. So I'm going to read the part that says leader. That's me. You're going to read the part that says people. Don't mumble. Uh, the first service they mumbled. Don't be no mumblers. We don't need no mumblers. So, you ready? We're going to responsive read. All right. If I can get it. All right, leader, that's me. Since God chose you to be holy people, He loves. We. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So, the question that we're going to end with today what steps will you take? To be patient. I put this week, honestly, I could put today. You're going to have opportunity more than likely today. God wants us to be patient because He is patient and He wants us to be like Him. Let's take those opportunities for what they are to become more like Jesus every time He gives us the opportunity. Lord, thank You for Your Word, for um, reminding us of what you called us to. We love you. We want to serve you well. Help us to serve you well through patience. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.